Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Roberts, and welcome back to the first Sunday in Lent for the week of March 6th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And I'm excited because this week is something that I get really passionate about, which will be the science tie-in that we're talking about, because I feel like with the text in which we're in, and especially some of the news that broke this last week, I think it's vital for us to at least start talking about it, and especially as faith communities. I feel like we need to really start talking about this and really working on this, because I think it encompasses so much more than just the church, but I'll get into that. But I think it kind of also fits a little bit as we're entering this season of reflection, entering the season of trying to draw closer to God. I think this is a time where we need to be able to have these deep reflection moments, have these moments where we're wrestling with deep stuff. And the question that we had for last week kind of plays with that idea. Are we afraid to enter the cloud And if so, how do we enter the cloud? And I think right now, as we kind of defined last week, the cloud of being the uncertainty and at times us limiting and holding back God because we've seen enough. We've seen the revelation and we're good. Let's hold to what we understand within our human knowledge. And yet then it doesn't allow us to really see the magnificence of what God is actually doing. It doesn't allow us the possibility to be able to really embody and sense the true power and passion of what God is doing. And I think this is something that we have to continue to wrestle with, continue to work with, continue to figure out our way through. And I think as individuals, but also as communities, need to be willing and entering to enter that cloud of the unknown to be able to see the true glory of what God has on the other side, the being transformed into more of the people that God is wanting us to be. And especially tying that into last week with the transfiguration, I think that's a major part of this. So let's just jump into the text for this week. The Old Testament or first reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 1 to 11. The texts I feel from the epistles or the New Testament text and the Old Testament text really help support where we're going with the gospel text again this week. But first, it's the recognition here of how God continues to provide for his people, even as we are at times a little bit wary on where we're going. But yet, through the different times and different things that we've gone through, God continues to provide and continues to fulfill the promises that he has given for us. So, Deuteronomy here, it's recognizing why do we give our first fruits to the temple and giving them essentially to God. And it's the recognition of the hard times that the Israelites went through in Egypt and how God continued to, one, protect them, two, continue to provide for them, but arguably more important, he had promised to give them a land flowing in milk and honey, and yet that's what happened. The bounty from the earth was that. So it's the giving back is that recognition of God providing and remembering what we've been through so that we can continue to trust deeper even as we have uncertainty that God has done that and God will continue to do that for us. The psalm this week is Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 and 9 through 16. 
This embodies that image again of how God wants to protect us. God wants to make sure that we are taken care of. He cares about us. He loves us. And the line that's really in here to tie to the gospel text is verse 12. On their hands they will bear you up, the angels, and so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. That God has continued to provide and protect and trying to help us steer through using the Holy Spirit and angels to help us be the people that God has called us to be. The New Testament text or the second reading is from Romans chapter 10 verses 8b to 13. This is a confession and talking about how as long as we can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we know where we are going. That this is not a dividing based off of human features, based on Greek or Jew, not based on socioeconomic. We are seeing as the Lord's family at that point. And that was what the Lord came to do was to save. And so as long as we can recognize that we are welcomed into this family. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 4 verses 1 to 13. This text takes place right after the baptism of Jesus and Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and is led into the wilderness. And we'll get into talking a little bit about the wilderness here in a few minutes. From that, he is tempted for 40 days. 40 days, again, being something that is used throughout scripture to recognize a long period of time, but also a sacred time. The ark was 40 days. And we'll get into, again, 40 years out in the desert for the Israelites. This is a repeated number to help the people of God recognize that this is a God moment. Jesus eats nothing and is famished. And this is where then the devil comes to tempt Jesus. And there's three different temptations. First, the devil then states to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus responds, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. The devil then shows him the kingdoms of the world and states to him in verse 6, To you I give all glory and authority that has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then worship me, it will be yours. So essentially stating all the kingdoms of the world and everything will be Jesus's if he worships Satan. Jesus responds with, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then took him to Jerusalem, put him on the pinnacle of the temple, and says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He has commanded His angels concerning you to protect you, tying back to the psalm, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So again, tying that back to the psalm. Jesus responds with, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And verse 13, I think, is also very important this week. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. So it's Jesus going through the temptations, but also, I think, pours a lot of insight into a little bit of the character of Satan, but also the character of what we should be striving for as humans. And I think what we're going to go this week with the science tie-in, I think, fits this perfectly. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for 
Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction on where to go. This last week, Joy J. Moore returned to the Working Preacher podcast, and so there's four different seminary professors there talking about these texts, along with having commentaries from other biblical scholars, plus having a back catalog of over 10 years. I'd highly recommend checking out this resource. It is a very valuable resource, and I really enjoy using them on a weekly basis. But I'd also recommend checking out the library from Vanderbilt.edu. I really like how they lay out the text each week. It makes it really easy for me to help bring you this podcast week after week. But also, I think the key feature that really sets them apart is having the art section. Being able to look at art from around the world throughout time and how people have depicted and understood these texts can be extremely helpful. And I know for me to bring you this podcast week after week, I find it an extremely useful resource. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend that also. Where do we start? There is a lot here, and I think the first part, what we need to understand is the wilderness. The wilderness is a place that God has steered people when he's needing some time with them and for some great revelations on who they are. So to give some examples, like I stated, with the 40 days, we have Noah and the ark. We have the Israelites wandering around in the desert or the wilderness. But to kind of continue with the wilderness idea, you have Elijah went out to the wilderness and gets kind of recalled back into the ministry in a different direction. We have John the Baptist was out in the wilderness to, again, lead the path for Jesus. We have Jesus himself in this text. We even have Paul who is in the wilderness and gets called into his ministry out of the wilderness. So this place and this time of reflection and figuring out where God is trying to call us. But then let's look at what these texts are about. It's recognizing the divine power of God, recognizing that we are supposed to be worshiping and honoring to God and not just trying to be power hungry. But it's also this idea of not putting the Lord your God to the test that you are trying to obey God and that that's where God shows up instead of, God, I need you to do this for me right now and putting God in a box, per se. As I was looking at these texts and thinking about some of the stuff that's happened this last week, it made it more and more difficult for me to not talk about different things. So this week... The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released their 22 report, and it's not a very optimistic one. In fact, it's a very bleak report, talking about the lack of adaptation that has happened, the lack of commitments that are being made that are being broken, how we're saying that we're going to be trying to reduce our carbon emissions. In fact, in 2022, they're expecting an increase of 14% in global emissions. And it's the typical suspects are the ones who are doing this. Yes, we can point to big oil and yes, we can point to energy providers, but we can also point to governmental bodies who are doing a lack of change, a lack of 
pushing for that, a lack of really taking initiative for this. And the issue is multiple fold. The report, and I'm taking this from the New York Times, I felt it really summarized a lot of what I listened to with this report decently well, just taking their five takeaway points. But again, I'll attach some of the links down below, even to some of the initial breaking of the report along with the attached report. But the climate hazards have worsened significantly over the past decade, faster than what they have initially projected. That this is something that is moving faster than we initially thought. And like we talked about, with having more emissions coming out, this is something that's going to do more of a multiplying effect. And that's where it kind of leads into point two, that if it isn't slowed, the dangers will continue to multiply. And this then makes what we know as societies in danger because we aren't adapting to be able to make things a safe, habitable place for people to stay. In fact, in the report, half the world population now is in a high-risk area. And what they're defining that as is as an area that is going to be drastically affected by climate change. This can be flooding. This can be weather-related. This can be the impacts from that. So like one of the things that I was thinking about then is like, ocean rise, which then is flooding areas. And that's where it kind of continues. It snowballs more and more you get into this report. As the warming continues, it gets harder and harder for us to be able to cope with it. And we're seeing this especially also within our animal populations. Migration routes are starting to change. Animals are changing locations and where they are to be able to try to adapt to this change. Now, what happens in that is especially things that can't move as readily, like trees or things that potentially these animals are dependent upon aren't necessarily there, which puts additional stress on these animals that are already stressed as they are moving to new areas, trying to figure out ways to adapt. We as humans are way behind this curve. And the final point I just think really hits home and is hard. Poor countries face much bigger challenges than the rich ones, aka as this stuff happens, it's going to hit a lot of poorer countries and they don't necessarily have the resources to deal with it. And so thus we have countries like, I'm going to call out the United States, where we think, oh, well, we just can do things to prevent it from affecting us. And I don't think that's equitable. I don't think that's the way that we are called as disciples to be. We're talking here about the United States. We could easily put up levees and walls around New York City, around Washington, D.C. to maintain these areas. But if you look at a country like Bangladesh that isn't as wealthy, that is already dealing with flooding issues... They don't have those resources. Who's going to provide those resources? And the problem is, if you even look at world economic-wise, then you're making it harder on the world economy. Like I stated, 3.3 to 3.6 billion people, half of humankind, roughly, are in these highly vulnerable areas to climate change today. Not tomorrow, today. And so thus, you have potentially half the world in a movement to try to figure out how they're going to survive this. This includes fire, flood, drought, 
all these things that are affecting our human life. To be able to produce food, to be able to live in a society and move forward and be able to get the best out of our place. And essentially, we're taking this place that we have seen and has been given to us as Christians, been given to us by God to take care of, and we're not doing it. And to me, what is amazing, especially with that Deuteronomy text, is first, that we're giving our first fruits to God in remembrance and thanks to what God has done to provide for us. Are we even doing that? First, recognizing that God is the one who is providing, allowing the earth to grow, to be able to produce the things that we do. But then two, are we even taking a recognition? Part of the practice of that is to remember back. Do we not remember back to the different things that we have gone through, even in my lifetime, where we're talking about every year the climate is getting worse, and yet we're not doing anything or doing very little. We're not doing the adaptive change. And the problem that this report starts talking about is the window is closing. The window is drastically closing very, very quickly that we predict that we are somewhat able to maintain things if the world only maintains a 1.5 degrees Celsius increase. We're already at 1.1. We're drastically changing things quickly. And in doing that, it makes it harder and harder for us to live and makes it harder for the world to be able to adapt. If we get beyond that, we are now having lasting change. We're entering a world that we do not know anything about because now the world doesn't even know what it's about because now you've changed the whole ecosystem. The relationships that they have been made over thousands of years no longer are there. Because you're having migrations, because you're having things changing, you're having things that we depend on, whether we realize it or not, disappearing. Why isn't this report, in my opinion, getting the news coverage that it deserves? Because this is the second or third time that I've talked about an IPCC report and how damning it looks. The reason is, is every time we seem to have another world event that takes precedent. And I'm not saying that these world reports aren't important, but we also want to find the splash news instead of having to stare ourselves in the mirror and actually adapt to make significant change. I was in a tech study this week, and one of the quotes that kind of came out is, are we willing to be uncomfortable so that we can be surprised? Are we willing to put ourselves in those positions of uncomfortability like last week so that we can be surprised on how God shows up and how God continues to work and provide for his people. But that still means we need to put in the work. That last line at the devil was finished at that point, but he departed from him until an opportune time. What a perfect opportune time for the devil to have this report that's a five-year research project release that we happen to have a world conflict between Russia and Ukraine at the moment. You look at the last couple intermediate reports, the middle of a pandemic or the rise of a pandemic. There were other things that seemed at the forefront. And yes, they need to be at the forefront to some extent. But this should be being worked on, not just put it on the back hot plate. This needs to simmer and needs to be worked on. Why, to me, is this so important? Because what is this all really about? Even take this world conflict in which we're having with Ukraine and Russia. It's about having authority, having control of things. 
It's not about giving thanks, not recognizing the gifts that God had, not about sharing them with others. It's about how much can I hoard so that we can be well against the other. We're so concerned just purely with ourselves instead of us as a global community beyond even the human race. But we struggle even with the human race to be able to actually look beyond that to see that, yeah, we are being physically called to be greater than this. If we are confessing that Jesus is Lord within our hearts, then that means that there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, as it states in the Romans text, and that God is generous to all of those. That means that we need to be able to be generous to all of them. That means that we can't get in this idea of just hoarding. This has to mean that we get in this idea of sharing. This means that we need to be able to get into the rhythms of the world itself instead of the human rhythms that we like to make. It means that we need to connect with our environment to be able to feel its aches and pains so we can be generous to it as well. The final article I will attach down below, again, is from the New York Times, is a very interesting interview piece talking about how climate scientists are getting burned out. That there's been some of them who have been working on this and this is their life's work. And that they keep going to the same places and saying the same things, that something needs to be done about it. And we get empty promises and lack of actual effort in doing it. We get these promises of this is what we're going to do. And they put it out in a huge long timelines. And the incentive to actually move toward them is limited. And yet, as they have continued in their life's work, as they go through 20, 30, 40 years of doing this, they start wondering, why am I doing this? Why do I care when whatever I've been said to people is thrown out? And especially right now, as the world in which we're in, unfortunately, has drawn this weird parallel that political figures and scientists can't seem to be on the same plane and understanding. Brothers and sisters, when can we acknowledge that each of us have worth? When can we acknowledge that there's people who have studied this for extended periods of time and to value what they're seeing? When can we acknowledge that we need to be able to be okay with taking drastic steps to help everybody instead of just myself? Because our non-human brothers and sisters are crying out. And we're having people saying that this is happening, and yet we're unwilling to change. We're unwilling to listen. We don't want to know the news that is being said because we know how difficult it is. But don't we already know that some of the most rewarding things within our lifetime are the things we have to work hard for? Isn't it something that could be amazing is as a global community, we work together to be able to save this place we call home for this period of time? To be able to drastically reconnect with the environment and especially the place that God gave us as Christians that we understand? I don't think it's unintentional that Satan happened to have something pop up again when this report came out. Because I think Satan wants it covered up. I think Satan wants us to be focused on these other issues. And I'm not saying they're not big issues, but I think this is another issue that the pressure cooker has been sitting there and it's about ready to blow. And when are we going to relieve the steam? And that means that we need to make changes. So the question I have for you this week is how uncomfortable are you willing to get for humanity, for the earth, for our world? 
because I think that's where we're at. I think the temptation that we're being faced with is ignorance or ignoring it. And we've been doing it for so long, it's second nature. But I think it's also just like the person who wants to go to the gym for the first time, it's intimidating. And how am I going to make this a habit? And being a person who for a period of time worked within a renewable energy industry, it's really cool. It's addicting. And I'll tell you, it's some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. Being able to help people who really needed help and being able to provide something that was in some times outlast them and help whatever the building is that they were working on so that it could provide heat or provide energy for years to come affordably. And the looks and the smiles when you started talking to low-income housing folks and how this was, you could see in their face, drastically going to change things for them. Why aren't we all looking for that? Why aren't we all being drawn to those moments to be able to be like that? Have we disconnected that far from not only the environment, from each other? I really hope not. Because as Christians, we're called to come together. Not just with believers, but with non-believers too. To go beyond what people say is sane for the sake of others. Because we know where this road ends in Lent. And arguably with one of the most insane things that caused the greatest surprise the world has ever seen. Are we willing to be uncomfortable so that we can be surprised? So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.